And good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. A good show ahead today. Lots to cover. We want to jump uh, right in. Uh, we'll end the show with a conversation with our friends from Tech Parks Arizona. We'll talk about the innovation coming out of the University of Arizona. How do we get it out into the community? And uh, what are we good at in this region that we could get better at? Always look forward to having Carol and Eric with us. They'll be on our live line. Uh, here with us in studio is Pastor Jeff Loxton, pastor of Hope City Church here on the 22nd Street Corridor in Tucson. Our faith and culture contributor on this Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent in the Christian tradition. Uh, Pastor Jeff Loxon, good to good to be with you again. Yeah, good morning. Two days in a row. Two days in a row. Funny story is uh, that we had you in yesterday. Yeah, uh, it was yesterday. It was today. Was yesterday was a long day. Yesterday, without your church hat on, we were. Right. It was a community conversation yeah. with uh, Michelle Rausch. Yes, it was a great conversation about Tucson's place in space and. She co-authored a book with an astronaut, which is pretty cool. And another one on the way. And so another one on the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's good to it's good to have you uh, with us here in in studio. Uh, so so Ash Wednesday is a day of uh, repentance when mm-hmm. Christians confess their sins and profess devotion to God. That's not where we're going to land. We're going to talk Ukraine today. Yes. Um, but it is a significant day in the Christian tradition. It's the first day, as I said, of Lent when people uh, give up something or think about a, a, a certain something in their life. Often they do this uh, during this season uh, to think about, uh, think about the season. So a- any thoughts on that before we get going? Yeah, no, I think it's the posture of, and, and we talk about Ash Wednesday precipitating the, the time and the events leading into Easter or Resurrection right. Sunday. But I think, you know, the, it's a great discipline, not just in this time frame, but uh, on a more regular basis to abstain from something, to take a time out from rhythms that we normally uh, expose ourselves to and, and to think from from a different perspective like what is God for, for those that come from a faith background or maybe those that don't this is the first time you're hearing this is what is God doing uh, around me right now what are the things that I should be paying attention to and certainly as we're talking about Ukraine today this is a very timely opportunity to reflect on what our response to should be to the things going on in our lives personally right yeah, significant day on on many levels, and, and that's what we wanted to to talk about. Our conversations are really this intersection of faith, culture, church, community, mm-hmm. um, is what our conversations have grown into. Jeff is our faith and culture contributor. Uh, I have a specific um, kind of uh, church faith based question for you as our pastor in residence, Jeff. But uh, any thoughts on what's unfolding in Ukraine from your perspective as a pastor, as a person of faith, as, a, as an American, as someone who is, uh, uh, you know, watching and looking for freedom and democracy? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking as one that is not not glued to the television, not because I'm <laughs> protesting news in that in that vein, but because of just craziness in life. Uh, don't have the same opportunities to see the news apart from what comes across on the phone. It is still in the little bits, sound bites that I've gotten exposed to, um, overwhelming to see the, the 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 visuals, 
that come from what is going on in the Ukraine and, and in Russia. And I would say, just in response to, to your question, in conversations with people here in our own community, other pastors who have actually lived there mm -hmm. and know the people intimately, there's things that have been shared with me where they share, for example, a person that's gathered 40 abandoned babies and taken them to the church basement and asking the women of the church to care for these children 24-7. Or uh, people in the same mindset of the, the leader there, Zelensky, have said, we're not going to leave when we have the opportunity to leave. And the person I'm thinking of specifically is a pastor, both a pastor and an army chaplain, uh, warned that he's a target, uh, chooses to remain and chooses to share with the people in the city that there is hope in the midst of even this craziness. Uh, when he's got a target on his head, and how like how does one begin to process all of that in the freedoms that we have here in the Western culture? It's just this such clash of of cultures right now that we live in, and it's easy to kind of unplug from that and try and ignore it because it is overwhelming. But I do think that there is a place for us to say, what is our response to this? Mm -hmm. How can we how can we how can we help? Right. And, and that's uh, that's the tension I wanted to get into because I think there's there's uh, especially for someone coming from a faith tradition there's a couple ways to be involved. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask you this in the first segment. We'll talk tangible uh, kind of uh, uh, things here in the present, in the moment, in the next in the next segment. Uh, but we saw within the last week, Pope Francis went to the Russian embassy. Um, uh, and a very weird move mm -hmm. uh, diplomatically and politically for the Pope to mm -hmm. go and try to intervene on a political basis and say we should. this is not where we should be. Right. Uh, the archbishops of the Catholic Church have called uh, globally uh, for a day of prayer and fasting on today, mm -hmm. Ash Wednesday, for what we're seeing in Ukraine. And in their statement, they said our response to crisis must always be rooted in prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm a person of faith. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a praying person. And I will tell you, my eyes rolled a little bit. I'm going to just be honest with you, Pastor, because, you know, we're watching uh, one of the, I think, uh, toughest things happen in the last 50, 60, 70 years in the world at a global scale. I mean, there's stuff happening right now in Sudan uh, and, you know, in the Asian theater. There's always something going on, right. but this is a big deal. And I sit and I go, um, prayer feels very small right now. It feels very disconnected from the harsh reality of the situation. Uh, and that's just me being honest. Uh, you're a pastor. I can tell you these things, <laughs> Pastor Jeff. Our response to crisis must always be rooted in prayer. What does that look like? Yeah. Discuss and justify why certainly for people of faith, that should be the beginning and the root of our response to what we see around the world. Well, it should be the beginning, but I share your your frustration and also have my own confessions in our conversation with our church. In just going about our day-to-day -day when things fall apart, if we're people of faith or even if we're not, prayer is often the last thing that we do. There's everything else that we try within our own power, our own might, and then when all of that doesn't work, maybe I should pray. And I don't know that this is any different, but I think having that that call to action, if you will, in, in saying, hey, as a community, we need to rally around that. There's a great element of faith in the fact that prayer actually prayer on a foundational level changes me. And prayer, when I embrace it, takes the chaos in my mind and brings it to a place of centeredness. 
and, and peace uh, in, the, in the process if I embrace it. Um, but prayer outside of its changes in my own life is an opportunity in faith to uh, contribute, to link arms with people in different places around the world uh, for whatever the object of that prayer is. And so, you know, for our listeners, maybe you're hearing this and you're like, I don't know if I buy into this. There's a few great books I would recommend. Mark Batterson, Circle Maker is one. Uh, Stephen Furtick, um, Sun Stand Still. These are rooted in historic events, uh, things that have happened that um, people like you and I have had their arms crossed and said, I don't know if I believe this, but the outcome of those prayers led to these uh, epic events that changed the course of history. And I think when we have those cynical moments, it's okay to acknowledge that, but how do we push ourselves through that in, in, to the point where we say, I'm going to do this anyways and trust that something significant will be the outcome. I want to go a little bit long on this segment. We'll go to break in a second, Matt. Our, our second segment is designed to be a little bit shorter. We're going to get everything we want to get in. Uh, Pastor Jeff is with us, our faith and culture contributor, pastor of Hope City Church. Uh, you know, I, I know that myself and a lot of friends actually spent a good portion of the weekend kind of going back and forth between our news apps and Facebook and Twitter mm -hmm. and tracking all this. And, and by the way, Pastor Jeff, I think one of the th unique things about this moment is that we have social media is that we have the ability to watch and listen and feel in real time yeah. with these crises around the world in, in a way that we didn't see, you know, Vietnam and World War II. Everything was in delay. Right. We're now watching this in real, real time. time. And again, I think that contributes to the feeling of you know, what can I do? Mm -hmm. What is my role mm -hmm. a part of this? Now, so what perspective does the lens of faith bring to a crisis like this, you mentioned that the, you know, as the Archbishop said, our response to crisis must always be rooted in prayer, that that is a, uh, that that provides a personal change and a personal lens to focus then outward. What perspective does the lens of faith bring to a crisis like this? I think from a faith perspective, it, it takes something that is uh, deeply troubling, personal, and it, and it brings it out to a, a macro level, a 50,000 foot picture. Uh, I'm not in this alone. I'm either part of a faith community or people, maybe they're not in a faith community, but they're my neighbors, my coworkers that are also struggling with the things that they're seeing on the news and saying, like, what can we do if even at a simple level we're engaging in conversations with other people where, you know, we've just gone through a pandemic where we've experienced isolation and separation, those conversations and that opportunity to process with one another um, it is a part of that healing that works itself out. And it certainly happens or should be happening within a faith community. We had the opportunity to talk about this with our church this last week and just say, hey, look, how can, how can you look introspectively and focus on what God needs you to focus on as we respond to the crisis happening overseas? And it was amazing to know friends from out of state that were listening through social media responded and said, thank you. Thank you mm -hmm. for the opportunity to hear that because I needed that this morning. And those are the kinds of moments that we're looking to capture either on Sunday or outside of that, wherever you are as you're listening to this broadcast now. Mm -hmm. Again, we're with Pastor Jeff in studio. Today's Ash Wednesday. Uh, maybe you've heard of it as Day of Ashes. It's a day of repentance in the mm -hmm. Christian tradition when Christians confess their sins and profess their devotion to God. It's the first 
day of Lent. Mm-hmm. And this year for us, it happens to fall uh, on a week, on a day, during a time when we, as a world, I think, are watching what's happening in Eastern Europe and wondering what it means for us. And I think feeling somewhat small and lost and confused to a large to a large degree. If you feel like you understand the situation, um, then maybe you don't understand the entirety of it. My dad would always say, if you think you're, uh, you have all the answers, you're not up to date on all the questions. Right. And I approach a lot of things with that yeah. humility. If it is so simple that you can understand it, yeah. and it's geopolitical, and right. it's global, you probably don't understand it. And that's right. not a diss, it's yeah. just life is more complicated than yes. that. Um, and, and so we're just in this, in this moment, I think certainly, we look at the atrocities of the, of the 20th century um, and of the uh, 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 and and think that that was a time ago, mm-hmm. um, but people are still sinful and have uh, desires for power and prestige that create negative situations. Is that a diplomatic way to put it? Yeah. And why wouldn't that happen in the 21st century? That's a human thing. Right. Not a, we're not still a, human. <laughs> we're still <laughs> human. We're with Pastor Jeff Locks and our faith and culture contributor. When we come back. Uh, we are going to talk about what are some ways through the church or otherwise that we can physically support the people of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pastor in the community that we both really admire, Pastor Jeff, uh, has been very deeply involved in Ukraine for much of his life and has had some interesting insights. I just want to get your thoughts as well sure. as we turn inward, outward, uh, and how we engage the world in times like these, certainly yes. as people of faith. We'll be right back on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Don't go anywhere. Local news and talk all day, every day. 1030, The Voice. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. 
Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back to Tucson and all of Southern Arizona live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. We're with Pastor Jeff Loxon, our faith and culture contributor, pastor of Hope City Church on the 22nd Street Corridor here on this Wednesday, March 2nd. It is Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent, a day when Christians confess their sins and profess their devotion to God. Uh, And that is a backdrop for our conversation about Ukraine and what's happening there. And uh, again, we've uh, we, we know that there has been a call to a day of fasting and prayer, certainly by the Catholic Church. Uh, around around what is going on. Our response to crisis is a quote, must always be rooted in prayer. We heard that uh, from uh, the archbishops uh, in the Catholic part of the Christian tradition here within the last week. So Pastor Jeff and I have been talking about what does that look like and uh, the challenge that can sometimes be felt of in this moment, is prayer the biggest or the smallest thing that we can do? And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the answer is a little bit of both. I don't know. It's, it's the foundation. It's the root. It's the biggest thing. Um, but certainly it shouldn't be the ending point either. Right, and right. There's, some, there's some tangible ways. What are some ways through the church or otherwise, Pastor Jeff, that we can physically support uh, what's going on around the world? Um, I think the church has often been a portal right. for that. Well, and it's worth saying before we jump into that, and I know you've got some things that you want to share as well on, on action steps, is that true prayer moves somebody or compels somebody towards action. So it's not just the act of, of, of passively praying for somebody. That's an active uh, it's an active step that's going to lead somebody to action. I know that there's a group of pastors meeting tomorrow, probably 20 or 30, um, uh, you know, which uh, are they're going to be having conversations about how do we respond to this. And it's not just overseas. It's how do we prepare ourselves locally for the ways that people are processing that. We just right. had a conversation with Dr. Holt these last few weeks on trauma. This 
adds to that level of trauma mm. for people and the things that they've been experiencing through the pandemic and we don't want to dismiss those effects so a group of pastors rallying together and saying how do we collectively respond locally as a community i appreciate that we have those environments to talk i will say practically for our listeners uh, pantano uh, pastor glenn elliott uh, is a pastor that lived a number of years in the ukraine has been a great source of information for us here in the community saying this is what you need to know about the people the community also taking a moment right now to say that it's easy for people to want to demonize russia as a whole but there are people in russia that don't want their leader to do this and they're right. protesting him and so there's good people and and, and 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 bad people for lack of better words on both sides of the fence both in russia and in ukraine but how can we take a posture to to come alongside and to ease the tension there pantano's going to set up a uh, well, they do have a link now on their website. It's pantano.church uh, backslash give. And then there is a Ukraine fund. Uh, Glenn is very open about saying now is not the time to mm. send monies because the dust hasn't settled yet. But there are sources on the ground that can say here are practical ways we can help. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there are other things that you wanted to also mention in this time. Yeah, you know, I think this is the starting conversation on my end. There's groups like the International Rescue Committee mm -hmm. uh, and Doctors Without Borders, many organizations that are easy to find mm -hmm. that are taking donations. And we were talking during the break. Certainly there's a, there's a crisis within the borders of Ukraine, but we've seen hundreds of thousands of people leave the country right. and they're going to Poland and other places. And so there's a bit of a humanitarian crisis starting to build and we knew it was yes. going to. And there's organizations um, outside of some of those troubled country financial systems that that can take those donations at this time yeah and i'll just say i don't have all the answers i'm looking forward to jeff if you don't mind me plugging my monday show uh, <laughs> a colleague of mine anya and her husband are going to come in she's from ukraine sure fluent ukrainian and 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 uh, fluent in english for that matter but uh really great people known them for a number of years she has yeah. a heart for her country and you can imagine she's watching with a lot uh, of pain yeah, yeah. and her and her husband i think have better answers than even you or i do yeah but i think our point is to say our response as people of faith at least should be rooted in prayer yeah certainly on days like today wednesday and march 2nd but that prayer should then lead us into outward action. Right. And we're just scratching the surface. But this is a time where we can be active in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting to see the world as a whole rally in ways that I didn't think was still possible. Right. And I think it's okay to not, like you said, not have the answers, but to keep asking the questions and to process these things with the people around us. Absolutely. Pastor Jeff Loxton, where can people find you and your church offline? Again, I think your church is a great example of a portal that is meeting needs in the community where mm -hmm. people can assist you in that. So, Thank you, Zach. You can find us at HopeCityChurchTucson.com. Very cool. Pastor Jeff, will I see you tomorrow? <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, man. We were, we were, <laughs> I'll call we you. Were, How's we were, that? <laughs> <laughs> it's we got to make it three days, three days in a row. Pastor go. Jeff, it's good hanging out with you this week. Thanks for coming on as our faith and culture contributor. Thank you, Zach. When we come back, Eric Smith and Carol Stewart will be with us from Tech Parks, Arizona. We'll talk technology, innovation, entrepreneurship in the region, and how does it integrate into the local economy? What are some good things happening? Always look forward to those conversations. We'll be right back on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Don't go anywhere.
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Ween of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, we kicked off the show on this Ash Wednesday with our Faith and Culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Locks, in the first day of Lent, a day uh, when Christians confess their sins and profess their devotion to God. It's the backdrop of our main conversation to kick off the show, and that is uh, what, does, uh, what does an appropriate response look like to what is going on in Ukraine, certainly from an individual level. So we appreciate our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Logston, navigating through that with us. We're now turning the page completely to a different topic, uh, a conversation, and it's been way too long since we did this, and I'm really glad we're doing it, uh, with Carol Stewart, the Associate Vice President of Tech Parks Arizona, and Eric Smith, the Executive Director of the University of Arizona Center for innovation about what's going on in technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation in our community, certainly driven out of the University of Arizona. What does it mean for our community? This is a conversation I always look forward to, and that's where we're going to jump in right now. Joining us on the live line, let's welcome on in first Carol Stewart. Carol, good morning to you. Good morning, Zach. And Eric, good morning to you. Good morning, Zach. Thanks for having us. 
Good to, good to be with you both. Maybe we, I, I want to ask a question I'd love both your inputs on to kind of get us started from 30,000 feet. Maybe we'll start with Carol's thoughts on this first, and then Eric, over to you. Uh, we are seeing uh, historic levels of startups and innovation entrepreneurship here, certainly, but nationwide. Uh, we haven't seen startups and innovation at this level since the years following World War II, and it's uh, probably not a surprise to anybody listening that the pandemic has caused a significant increase in new business starts, and there's probably a correlation between uh, the tight labor market uh, and some of those folks going off and starting their big idea. Um, what's going on, Carol? What are we seeing in Tucson and Southern Arizona? Why such the boom in startups? Well, I think I think Eric's going to have some, some some ideas on this as well. But I mean, startups exist to solve problems, and we've had no shortage of problems since 2020. Um, with each major tragedy or complicated world event, um, innovation soars, and that's that's where we are right now in 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 our current history. We have not seen innovation soar like this since the years following World War II. Um, the pandemic has caused a significant increase in innovation, and the U.S. Census Bureau indicates that the average increase in startups is 23% nationwide, um, and we're leading the world in that surge. And Southern Arizona, to be totally honest, is punching way above that, that, that statistic. Yeah. Uh, Eric, I, I am curious to hear from your standpoint uh, at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation. I know there's an estimated 70 new ventures that are being groomed to enter the program. But something that you had mentioned that I wanted to get more of your thoughts live on air here is we're seeing startups move from, I think you call it startup-oriented cities, kind of in quotes, that we traditionally think of like San Francisco and uh, Seattle and Austin to places like Tucson. Why, why are we seeing that? What is Tucson offering that folks feel like they can't get in some of these resource-rich and denser startup-oriented cities around the country? Yeah, Zach, we, we certainly are seeing a, an increase just at the UA Center for Innovation alone. We are now at 63 companies that we're serving. And a majority of these companies are located here in, in Southern Arizona. And over the past eight to 10 months, we've seen companies physically uproot from those larger markets, such as San Francisco or Boston or San Diego or New York, and come here to Southern Arizona. So, so the numbers aren't lying. And you are correct, you know, we're, we're tracking a little over 70 companies. When we say that, that means we're having active conversations with startup companies that are interested in our area. And there's, you know, a number of reasons why this could be the case, um, but ultimately it's about the ecosystem uh, where a startup lands. And Southern Arizona, we are really showing that, you know, together the various organizations that support startups, the municipalities, um, we, we've really come together and shown that we can serve these science and tech startups. And we can do so in a manner that's maybe a little bit more nimble um, than some of these other larger markets that um, may have uh, maybe become a bit more stale, um, you know, since the 90s and early 2000s. So very excited. I mean, just last week alone, we had a startup not just uproot from a major market in the U.S., but they uprooted from Saudi Arabia and moved all the way here to Tucson, Arizona to, to work on their company. And they brought their funding with them. Hmm. 
I, I want to dig into that just a little bit more, Eric, because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and this is, I don't know if we would call this like a science or tech startup, but it's a young company called PackDash. They're out of the Chicago area. They moved their headquarters to Tucson about a year ago, and I got to ask him on the air, why did you move here? And I was surprised that his answer was it was easier to navigate the commercial uh, space market. We were able to get commercial space faster and more cheaply than anywhere else we looked. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a I'm a fan uh, I'm a fanboy of Tucson. You both know that. But agility and nimbleness is, are not two words that, quite honestly. Uh, up until maybe recently, we would use to characterize the Tucson business market. So, so tell us, what what nimbleness and agility are you seeing in, that is bringing these companies so quickly and, and well to Tucson? What are what are a specific thing or two that you can give us as an example of why this is happening? Well, I think first of all, uh, it's change, and I can tell you just in our world of science and technology startups, and working with uh, the business uh, leaders in our community as well as the municipal leaders in our community, we're seeing a lot more openness to work with startup companies. I think overall in Southern Arizona and the municipalities within, um, we're starting to see this as you know a real possible economic development activity for our region. And because of that, I think we are, uh, are more open and uh, more incentivized to bring these startups here, whether that be on their space or assistance with employees. Um, in our operation in Oro Valley alone, the town of Oro Valley goes to the incubator. They sit there with the startups. They ask them what they need, and then they go and they take action. City of Tucson is working on this, town of Saurita. So together, you know, all of the municipalities here are really doubling down on startup growth as a strategy for economic development. And that kind of uh, openness to work with companies and the ability to gain access to these leaders fairly quickly um, is, is attractive to companies like PacDash. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Mayor Murphy the other day about some exciting movement of companies into the Samtech buildings and Sawadita Advanced manufacturing and technology center uh, as an example. So Eric, I think I think that's on point from my experience. Carol, I wanted to go back to you really quick and then in the second segment we have together, we'll talk about some of the big updates that are happening in the various locations of Tech Parks Arizona here in, in Tucson and the region. But Carol, I'm curious from your perspective, as you look at the startups that are coming through UACI, that are building out of the university, of Arizona, uh, are there certain sectors or industries that are emerging as strengths for Tucson and our region? There have been seasons of our startup ecosystem that I felt are kind of whack-a-mole, will kind of go in any direction and kind of shotgun approach our way. Uh, I, I think successful economies show an understanding of their two or three core industry strengths and lean into that. Uh, are we seeing anything emerge in terms of the areas that startups see us as being skilled in or that are coming through your programs? Well, I think I think all of our uh, all of our companies um, really do look at um, a really match up with the specializations of the of the institution of the of the University of Arizona. Um, 
you know, 50% of, of the UA companies um, right now are coming from, uh, coming out of TechLaunch Arizona, um, the commercialization office. So it's, it's based out of research and investment that's been made um, right now. That are, at least 50% of them have a connection, um, and we have about a dozen of them that, that directly came out of TechLaunch Arizona. So out of the 63, that's pretty significant. So hence, they line up with the specializations of the, of the university. Um, and, you know, we're going to come back on your show when we open up our next um, UACI outpost, um, and you'll see that um, right now, you know, we're, we're clustering our startups, um, you know, based on location and specialization and clusters. So, Aura Valley is bioscience-based. Our next one is going to be based on sustainability, and that'll make sense when we when we share that news with you and and the community, Zach. Um, and and we're looking at other outposts, <clears throat> excuse me, outposts as well that really kind of cluster these these different specializations. But you know, whether it's ag tech, whether it's water, um, and aerospace and sustainability and resilience, aerospace and defense, we're seeing, we're seeing it really match up and align with the, with the university um, areas of expertise. That's super cool. Yeah, you both know offline from conversations that we've had that I'm really banging the drum of how does our region strategically uh, align with the priorities for our university here, the University of Arizona set out by the border regions and the state legislature and, and the new economy initiative, which are aerospace and defense, biotech and health sciences, and mining. Those are the three things that the state level and nationally, honestly, say we're really good at. So what does it look like to, to get strategic uh, around that, which I think you're doing, and that's why I wanted to, to ask the question. What's new with Tech Parks Arizona? What's new with the University of Arizona Center for Innovation? That's where we're going on the other side of this short and final break. Uh, this is our update conversation um, with Eric and Carol talking about what's coming out of the University of Arizona and how is it driving local economic impact. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Your source for trusted local news and talk, 1030 The Voice. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd, at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center, where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting-ahead world to improving their life in our region. Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. 
The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, Southwest Books of the Year, at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, live out of the Common Workspace Studios, or with guests on our live line, Carol Stewart, the Associate Vice President of Tech Parks Arizona, and Eric Smith, the Executive Director of the University of Arizona Center for Innovation. And I'm proud to say I said all that without notes, and that may only matter to me, but uh, <laughs> that was without notes, so I, I better have gotten it right. Carol Stewart, what's new with Tech Parks Arizona? We talked some high-level technology, innovation, entrepreneurship stuff in the first segment, but let's drill down a little bit. Give us uh, give us what's new at Tech Park since we last talked. Sure. So, uh, and that was very impressive, Doc. Um, kudos to you. Uh, my memory's not that good. Uh, so, so at Tech Parks Arizona, um, especially out here at Reader Road, we do um, since since we've last chatted, we landed a major new investment into the region. Um, really, really exciting news. It's called Eurofins um, Donor Testing Services, which provides comprehensive um, lab services to meet some really unique testing and processing needs. Um, of the transplant community, um, and it was announced that it was sele- it had selected the UA Tech Park in Tucson, Arizona, for its new laboratory. Um, this is a this is a global leader in testing and analytical services. They have more than 900 laboratories in 50 countries, and it's um, pretty amazing that we get to add Tucson to that list. That's incredible. Can you touch on real quick uh, the refinery building as well? I got to tour that a few months ago it's looking great when when's that going to open sure our first occupants are going to be in the building um, likely in april um, the refinery will be shared equally um, with the university of arizona it's a hundred twenty thousand square foot building and they actually committed to, to half of that so sixty thousand square feet um, and you know so it's going to be shared between the university and then outside businesses that want to work closely with the university 
Um, some of the some of the organizations that are going in, um, especially on the university side at this point, is Tech Launch Arizona, the the TTLO, the Tech Transfer and Licensing Office, that help commercialize all of the the new technologies and inventions. They help move them out into into the the commercial world. We also have the U Arizona Applied Research Corporation, also known as UARC. That is a separate 501c3 organization that provides product services and solutions to um, national security challenges in, in, uh, for the U.S. government and also for industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have Research, Innovation, and Impact, RII. That's Betsy Cantwell's group, um, um, who I also report to. They're going to have a uh, – and they look after $761 million um, in research activity at, at U of A. And so that's going to be – they're going to have um, some dedicated space within that. And then also the UA Center for Innovation uh, – the UA Center for Innovation, um, we're working and designing right now uh, another outpost. This will be our third outpost. Um, and uh, for science and technology startups that's going to be based there. And then finally, we have UA Online. They're going to be, they're right now scattered um, in different locations, and so we're going to bring them together and create a headquarters at the refinery um, for staff and faculty to be all in one location. So that's that's super exciting to, to have all of those entities um, in, in that, that, uh, that tech hub. The second project um, broke ground in November, and that's the Marriott Hotel with approximately 100 rooms. That's a Spring Hill Suites. That's coming along nicely, um, and that is right in the that and and they actually modified their corporate design to match um, the design guidelines of the UA Tech Park at the Bridges. And then finally, the third project people might have noticed this already has broken ground just recently, and this is um, a new RII building, and it's going to be 5,000 square feet, but it's going to be four stories tall. And uh, we just decided yesterday on the name. So this is this is this is like this is headline news, Zach. It's going to be the Mission Integration Lab. That's located at the at 36th and MLK Junior Way, providing the ideal location for payload testing, mm-hmm. assembly, and integration for balloon-based astronomy. That's a mouthful. Um, and uh, so it's super exciting. I think that building is going to create a lot of curiosity, and uh, we're really excited to have that that uh, that facility in, in the UA Tech Park. That's amazing. And, no, and, and again, I mean, this uh, balloon-based astronomy is something that I think over the last number of years our region has become stronger on and more focused on. And so it's cool to see that integrating as well you know worldview is an example um, of that but then freefall is is also an example of a company that is looking to use uh, if i'm understanding correctly balloon-based uh, astronomy uh, to um, to provide uh, better better data so um, uh, that's a that's an exciting development there eric i want to turn to you um, before we cut you both loose you've mentioned some of the updates and news around the University of Arizona Center for Innovation within Tech Parks Arizona. Uh, Give us some of the updates that we haven't uh, maybe gotten to, uh, specifically around some international businesses you're supporting uh, and uh, also some funding to support interns, which I think is really important too. Well, first of all, you know, definitely be on the lookout because a lot of the updates that we like to share are actually our startup successes. Um, so, uh, you know, pay attention to, to our newsletters and social media. There's really great announcements coming uh, for startups that are winning competitions, obtaining funding, bringing on their teams, et cetera. Um, we really like to celebrate those successes for our companies. But, yeah, from an organizational level, uh, certainly I think 2022 is 
um, if, if all goes well, going to be the year of, of our soft landing program, uh, which is uh, our program for working with companies in international markets that are ready to make U.S. market entry. We are currently serving three startups from Colombia uh, in partnership with the Colombian government, and they will be here in Tucson in April. Uh, on the heels of that, we're going to be working on a Canadian cohort where we're actually uh, ourselves with our Global Advantage partners, uh, which are some wonderful organizations in town that help us to, to fund some of this work. We're going to be bringing in uh, three or four companies from Canada. And all of this is in the name of foreign direct investment, again, economic development. When they are making U.S. market entry, we hope that they do so right here in southern Arizona. Um, so very, very excited about a lot of that work. Um, and then, yeah, we're getting some uh, public and private support from around the country to do some of our work. More specifically, we've just uh, received some funding from the Small Business Administration, uh, as well as some funding from Wells Fargo. And all of this goes towards our efforts in the way of hiring university students, uh, paying them, and uh, providing them to, to you know the opportunity to work with our startup companies. Specifically, the funding that we've received recently has helped us to support uh, female STEM students from the University of Arizona and our ability to match them with women-led companies within uh, our incubator. So uh, very excited about some of that work as well. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we talked a lot, a lot about some of the local connections as well to UACI in the first segment. Do you have an update on uh, Phase 1 BBB uh, status? Yeah, absolutely. And can, so, you uh, can you tell listeners what that is, too? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, so the Economic Development, uh, Development Administration has the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. It's part of the EDA's American Rescue Plan. And ultimately, it's a $1 billion challenge where uh, communities, not, not in individual organizations, but regional uh, proposals come through to do something transformative to help us kind of pull out of um, some of the disparities that we've seen uh, with the pandemic. And so uh, as a part of that, our community, uh, which includes representation from Nogales over to Yuma, uh, was one of those phase one winners. There were ultimately 60 of those selected. Um, and really this is allowing us uh, to take, uh, it's a half million dollar award and plan for a much bigger phase two proposal all in the name of uh, climate sustainability. And so um, all of our, the partners, which include, you know, everybody from the city to the university to nonprofits in the area, um, we're working on, uh, on a proposal right now to submit in, in um, later on this month for that phase two. It'll be anywhere between, you know, 30 and $50 million to really make a transformative change uh, in clean energy, excuse me, in, in sustainability, which would include clean energy for, for our region. So we're very excited about that. We anticipate we have maybe about a 50% shot of, of actually obtaining the funding. They, they predict they'll choose 20 to 30 regional coalitions out of the 60 phase one winners. Mm. You know, Eric, I, again, that 50-50 that chance, but I think the the important piece regardless is this cross-industry, cross-sector collaboration. Uh, and my understanding with these uh, grants is that part of the criteria as it's reviewed over the next few months is for those reviewers at the federal level to look back in our community and say, okay, are you guys collaborating just for this or are you collaborating <laughs> in general? Yes. And, and uh, of course, I think the answer is and should be yes. And, and just that, this is a catalyst of getting private, public, and education together. I think it's a big deal for this region and I certainly hope it continues. Eric Smith, Executive Director of UACI, Carol Stewart, 
Associate Vice President of Tech Parks Arizona have been our guests this morning. Thank you both for your time. I know you're busy, but always good to hear an update. And I appreciate all that you guys do in, in Tucson and Southern Arizona. Exactly. Thank you, Zach. We appreciate you. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Tucson, that does it for our show today. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll be back Thursday, same time, 9 a.m. to finish out your drive time. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you tomorrow.